Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church. Thank you for joining us this morning. Just want to let you know at the end of the message today, we're going to be receiving communion together as a church family. So I know you're not too far from your your kitchen, so go ahead and grab some elements so that we can partake of communion together. I just want to make mention of a couple other things. Uh, Starting in the month of June, we are uh, launching a series called Legacy. We actually have a a page dedicated on our website to this series that's upcoming in June, and it's just going to be a great time of celebration of the legacy that we have as part of the church. Um, as part of the city church and all of what's gone on in the history of the ministry of, of my parents and all of they have accomplished through their faithfulness, their many years of faithfulness. Um, and it was actually 10 years ago, right at this time, we were in renovations of this building that we get to call home. And it was just a great experience 10 years ago. We're going to tell you all about the miracle that is our church building. And so you don't want to miss that. So go ahead and go to our website. I've got a video on there that explains to you about the series. It's about four minutes. And you can find out what's happening in the month of June with our Legacy Series. One other thing uh, that I wanted to make mention of a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago or so, we did a food drive um, for Eden Food for Change. And you guys came out on Wednesday night, filled your trunks with bunch food and stuff to bless people in our city. And so Eden measured all of the stuff that you brought in, and it was 2,370 pounds. So give yourself a hand there at home. So great. Thank you for your faithfulness. Now, I know we can't meet in person at this time, but it does mean that we can't impact our city by the preaching of the gospel and something like that blessing our city. So thank you for being such a generous church. All right. We are kicking off this series today, and it is called Center. Now, um, you know, I liked growing up when I played sports, I liked to play center. I played hockey for about six or eight years, and I, uh, six or eight years, one of those two, I forget how long it was. Um, But my first year playing hockey, I played defense, and I pretty much hated it because I never got the puck, and so I thought, you know what, ask my coach, you mind if I so the first year on forward, he put me on wing, and then eventually I asked, can I play center? So I got to play center. Now, so I got to take the face off, and I got to get the puck a little bit extra. Maybe there's a control thing going on there. I don't know. Someone else can analyze my personality. But uh, one of the things that's really important about the center, it is a point of balance. And when we don't have things centered in our life, it can get really out of balance. Out of balance. And I, when I played actually some intramural floor hockey at my Bible college way back in the early 90s, and a lot of the guys that I was playing with, there's about four or five Canadians, so they spread us out on all of these teams um, to be captains of these various teams. And so they put us uh, with a bunch of guys, and these guys didn't know how to play hockey. And I, you know, you realize growing up in Canada, you just have all of this hockey knowledge just by hanging out and watching TV all the time. And so what I had to explain to these guys, if somebody was playing right wing, it was like, you only stay on the right-hand side. And if you're playing left wing, you'd only stay on the left-hand side because there's some balance there because if the ball comes to your side and you're on the other side, we're out of balance on the team. And, you know, these guys were terrible at hockey. 
rookies, and they were running all over the floor. You know, not to say that Americans can't be good at hockey, because there's a few Americans. Austin Matthews, a good American hockey player from Arizona, no less. My love from Arizona, but Nicole loves that. The only thing this teacher likes about the Leafs right now is that Austin Matthews is from Phoenix. So I don't know how that happened. Anyway, these guys that I was playing with, they were not great hockey players. They were just running all over the floor. Our team was out of balance, and they were not centered properly. And this is what um, can happen to in our lives. What is the focal point of my life? See, when we think about this notion, we should realize and know that God centers me, and that he reminds me of what's important and what should be at the center of our lives. One of the things that we continue to remember in this season that we are in, um, as a nation, different areas around the world, that we are missing out on sharing our lives with other people that we were in a habit of doing, the things that we took for granted so many times. Just sharing our lives, sharing a meal with somebody, hanging out with somebody. And we know not only is it important to hang out with other people, but it's really important to share our lives with God. To have God at the center of our lives, the center of our being. And we see this in the life and ministry of Jesus, that Jesus set time apart. He was always with his disciples ministering to them, but then he set time apart to be with God. He was always ministering to people and praying for the sake of preaching. But then he also came away to have time with God. You see the scripture that he would go into the desert place to spend time with God, that he would go to the mountaintop to spend time with God, and he would go by the sea or by water just so that he could spend time with God. And that's such an important thing for us to know because Jesus faced all of the same things that we face in life. He faced all the difficulties that we face. The scripture says that he faced all the same temptations that we face yet without sin. And one of those dramatic things that Jesus faced in his life was the death of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was his first cousin. You remember that from the story of Jesus' birth. And how um, John the Baptist died, the ruler of the time, Herod, and John the Baptist was speaking up publicly uh, against Herodias, who was Herod's uh, sister-in-law. And so they arrested him. And then Herodias' daughter came and danced for Herod, and he was so pleased that he said to her, Anything you want, I will give it to you. So she asked her mother, What should I ask for? And the mother said, Ask for the head of John the Baptist on a platter or a charger. And because he had publicly declared this, that he actually had John the Baptist beheaded, terrible story, uh, you know, dramatic story. It's good to read our Bibles to see all these things that happen. But here is John, uh, John the Baptist dying, being beheaded this terrible way. And Jesus, who is his first cousin, is having to deal with this news. What do we see here in Matthew 14 that Jesus did? Verse 13. says this, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Coming away with God this terrible thing happened in his life, and what was Jesus doing? He was centering himself in God. See, Jesus lived his life anointed by the Spirit of God, fully God, fully man, again, though facing all of the same temptations that we do as human beings, same emotions. We heard this news, this would be terrible news for us personally, withdrew himself there in a boat to a desolate place by himself, but it wasn't by himself God 
story continues, but when the crowds heard him, they followed him on foot from the towns, and he went ashore, and he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So Jesus was still the Messiah here in the flesh, had this terrible thing happen to him, spend some time with God, but then came back to his responsibilities, and then the story continues in verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Now this is the observation of Matthew, but we know that Jesus wasn't there alone. He was up there centering his life on God the Father, doing all that he was doing, all the ministry that was taking place through him, and then this terrible thing that happened in his life to his family. He went up on the mountain, spent these times aside with God. And now, you know, some of these things that we would think about, we would go to certain places, a designated place in my life so that I would spend time with God, that I would share my life with God. And this is a term that we hear over and over again in the New, this New Testament word is fellowship. Some people like this word, some people don't like this word. But, you know, we talk about when we're gathering together as a church and we're gathering together online or we're Zooming one another. What is that? It's, it's fellowship. It's being with each other. And what that means is sharing life or sharing something in common. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 says this. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Now some of you look, might look at that and think, there's no way I can do that. I mean, I can barely pray five or ten minutes at a time. But Jesus would go all night and pray. He would just be spending time with God, centering his life on God the Father. But what we can take away from that story is that notion. That Jesus was doing God's thing. That he was living the life that God had given him. That he was centering his life on the presence of God. Knowing that God was with him, that God was helping him to face all of the things that he was facing and all of the ministry that he had to do, that all of that was sourced in the presence of God. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says that there's a calling on all of us as followers of Jesus. What is the calling? That we're called into fellowship with God, sharing our life with God. Facing stuff like Jesus faced. And then what did Jesus do? I'm going to go to the mountaintop and I'm going to pray. I'm going to share my life with God. I'm called into this. As a follower of Jesus, I am not just I'm not just thinking about God as or, or the Holy Spirit is kind of like my personal assistant. When I need something, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll call them and ask for something. But otherwise, you know, I just don't have time for God. I'm living my life and doing my own thing. And then when I need God to do something that I want him to do, I'm just going to, hey, God, can you maybe help me out with this? In Jesus' name, amen. And then you kind of run away from the presence of God, not sharing our lives with God. But we are called into the fellowship of his son. This is what we're called to do. To share our lives with God. And see, our faith is in a who, not in a what. When we think about the Word of God, when we think about the Scripture, 
big what you know i've got my faith in the word of god but what is the word of god it is the thoughts that are emanating from God himself. The scripture is written for us so that we can understand the character and nature of God, that we can understand what God would be speaking to us. So I say it is not just in the word of God as a thing separate from God himself, but the word of God actually comes from God. And so I'm sharing all of my life, all of my faith is centered on God. See, our faith can become very formulaic. Sometimes how pastors like myself would preach to us, you know, we would say, make sure you spend five minutes doing this scripture reading or getting a book and, and five minutes or ten minutes of prayer. And it can just be some sort of formula that we're offering to you. But it's not, it's never intended to be that. What we are saying to us that you should fellowship with the Father. Because we never want to take the time that we're spending with God and somehow think I'm going to exchange that. For something from God. See, God is calling us to fellowship with Him, to share our lives with Him. So our faith is not a, a formula, but it is actually fellowship with God. One pastor said it like this that fellowship is the fountain of faith. That the more I spend time with God, the more that I know God, the more that I know His word, His intentions, His thoughts. The more that I spend time talking to him, uh, sharing my emotions about life with him, see Jesus going in a faraway place, spending some time with God. See, God can handle all of our emotions. God can handle all of the thoughts that we think. See, sometimes we think, I don't know if I'm allowed to think that, or I don't know if I'm allowed to feel that, so I'm not going to pray, or I'm not going to take that to God. But see, God can handle all of our thoughts. God can handle all of our emotions. And we need to take all of that and we need to share it with God. Because here's the reality. He knows anyway. He knows everything that we are feeling. He knows everything that we are thinking. But what is he doing? He's inviting us. He's calling us. Hey, I want you to want to spend time with me. See, God is always ready. God has the ability with his omnipresence and all of his power to spend time with all of us simultaneously. God is not too busy with some other famous Christians to be able to spend time with you. God wants us to think about, you know what, I'm going to share my life with God. And he has everything we need. He has the things that will help our emotions, the things that we're feeling right now. God can walk us through those things the questions that we have, the doubts that we have, the confusion that we have. God is not fearful of any of those things. God has ways, he has responses, he has his word for us. First John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So John here is writing about Jesus. The life that was, that was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, that we proclaim to you the eternal life, which with the Father was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. So what does that mean within the context of fellow believers, fellow followers of Jesus? 
but that we're going to have fellowship together. We're going to share our lives together. Why do we share our lives together? Because we have Jesus in common, following after Jesus. And then this, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So how is our joy made complete? It's we're going to have fellowship with each other, but we're not leaving out our fellowship with God. We're not leaving out the time that we go to the mountaintop. We're not leaving out the time that we go to the place, this sort of desolate place, this place that I'm away with God, that I'm going to the seaside, so to speak. I'm just going to be intentional with my time with God, sharing my life with God. I love these last verses, that our joy would be complete. See, our joy is not complete just in sharing our lives with other humans. Because what is the struggle with other humans? The struggle with other humans is the same struggle they have with you, that you're imperfect, you make mistakes, and you say the wrong thing sometimes. So we have struggles within human relationships, which we can all testify to within our nuclear family or within a marriage relationship or with our friends, that these things can be a struggle. But our joy is made complete in our relationship with God, with our fellowship with the Father. See, because the Father God never disappoints us. He never comes up short. He is always faithful. And he wants you to share your life with him. What am I facing right now? What is the difficulty I'm in right now? And I'm going to take some time away. I'm going to center my life on God, the presence of God. And in there, my joy will be made complete. See, sometimes we put so much pressure on other people to be perfect. And they can never be perfect. They can never be perfect. And so we, we live through disappointments with other people and we're this, I'm like, oh no, then they let me down as well. All of the people are going to let you down at some point, and our joy is not going to be made complete only in human relationships, except our relationship with God the Father. He is the one that we can share our lives with. So we go to Him for the necessary things, for the joy that we need, we just talked about, for the wisdom that we need, for the necessary grace of the moment. Famous question that was asked of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. And, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Talking about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And we know the story continues. And your neighbor as yourself. And we need to do that. We are called to do that. But the first part has to do with loving God. See, it's really hard to love all of the people all of the time without a relationship with God. Because that is where the source of love comes from. The source of actual love that we need to be able to love all of the people that we have in our lives comes from this time with God, fellowship with God. And if you find your love waning for people, for your spouse, for your kids, for your parents. They aren't the problem. You need to go to the mountaintop of God. You are running out of love. Your well has run dry. What is Jesus telling us here? This greatest thing we need. What is the first thing we need? What is the second?
center of our lives, Jesus? What is the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God. And he says this, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So not just the thoughts that we think, it's, it's this starting place, this affection for God. That my heart is towards him. And my heart towards him affects all of me. It affects how I think. It affects my soul. So when I take time, I set time aside to fellowship with God, not with some five-minute formula. Although you need to be disciplined, you need to spend time in the Word of God, and you need to pray, but you need to see yourself as fellowshipping with God, sharing your life with God. God, what is it you want to say to me right now? What is it that you want to give to me right now? Because I kind of feel like maybe my tank is empty. And so many things in life are disappointing me, and so many people are disappointing me, and this down the road, it's like, well, what has happened to me there? Well, I haven't set time aside for God. It's not that the humans are actually any worse right now. The humans are the humans, and the humans will always be the humans. But the starting place for us that Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now that heart, the phrase is not talking about your physical blood pump. That word heart means the seat of your life, the center of who you are. Love God with the real you. This, is, this part of life is disappointing, and this situation is hard, and this relationship was hard. It's really hard. What is Jesus telling us? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to love God from the center of who you are. That's where we live from. That's where all of our relationships come from. That's where all of, all of our attitudes come from. The center of our affection. Jesus says it only should be God. That we're sharing all of who we are with God. So who and what is the center of my heart today? Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says this. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now that word flesh just means the carnal part of us, just the body ruled part of us. And we all know at some point in our lives, our bodies can rule all of our decisions if we're honest with ourselves. And so what is this here? If we set our minds on that. In other words, if we think about that only, well, what do I want right now? What, what do I feel like right now? What do I want to eat right now? Do I want to exercise or not right now? All of these different choices that we made, if we set our minds on that, if we set the center of our lives on that, it's death. And we've given up our decision-making to just our bodies and how our bodies might feel in this moment. But to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. spend all his time just sharing his life with God. And Jesus would say things like, I don't things that I say and do, I only do what the Father shows me. Just living life with God. Living life with God. And at any moment, God can speak something to our heart. And again, the things that he would be speaking to our 
be in line with the Word of God. If you've been missing our Bible study on Wednesday night about the Holy Spirit, we've been talking about that. So that we can be walking through the grocery store, and one of the benefits of the mask wearing right now in the grocery store is that you, you can, people are, are struggling right now. And one of the things that I try to do right now when I go to the grocery store, I ask God to help me to pray for somebody that's struggling in the grocery store. Just to bring, bring somebody, you know, to my attention that needs help, and it's super easy to pray right now. Nobody knows that I'm praying because I have a mask on. So what am I doing in that moment? I'm just sharing my life with God. That's what I want to do with all of who I am. I want to share my life with God so that I can share all of who God is making me to be with my family and my friends and my co-workers. See, in, inviting God to every moment of my life, and if I'm thinking through something, I'm trying to understand something, what, what do I want to do? I want to engage God in what I'm thinking, because I know that God's Word has the solutions for me. I just don't want to set my mind on my flesh. Because in there, is death, but I want to set my mind on the spirit, because in there is life and peace. See, some of the great hallmarks of healthy relationships, whether our relationship with God or relationship with other people, is, is love and it's trust. Jesus talked about there that we would love God. And then he also told us the other thing that we need to do is we need to have faith in God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much of our heart? All of it. Not a part of it. Not just a part of my life, and the other part I'll just sort of keep to myself. You know, God, you get like a quarter of my heart today, because it's Sunday. You don't have all of my heart, but the Scripture is telling us here to trust the Lord with all of our with the seat of our lives. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In other words, live your life with God. God is not just a Sunday thing. God is an all-the-time relationship. And He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That I'm doing what? That I'm trusting God with my whole heart. See, God has everything we need at all times. Not just me, not just what, what my thoughts can produce, because I, I'm not, I'm not going to live a straight path if I do that. I'm going to be doing my own thing. But I'm acknowledging God in every way of my life that He is making my path straight. And so loving God is that starting place Centering my life on this. God, I love you. And we love him because he first loved us. That he provided something for us, a way for us to be in a relationship with him. Just think about who God is. If we can think about who God is for a moment and who we are. That God is the creator of all things. You know, thank God for chemists, but all chemists are doing are observing what already is in the field of chemistry. They didn't actually create anything. They observed it. But God created all of the elements. Physicists observe and see the physical laws of the universe. 
really smart, got a bunch of PhDs, but all they are doing is they are observing, looking at the physical laws of the universe. God created them. So think about who God is and who we are. How humble should we be that God actually invites us, calls us to fellowship with him. I, I saw someone's story the other day on Instagram. You know, their, I forget how old their child was, but they were in the back seat and they were talking. And, and sometimes, you know, moms understand what toddlers are saying and none of the rest of us do. So her son was on the back of the car, and he was like, I don't know what this kid is saying. And then she, like, interpreted his tongue, for lack of a better word. He, so he's saying this. I kind of feel like that's maybe God with us. Like, we're just, we don't, we're, we're not saying anything intelligent. We don't have a grasp on reality. Or we're thinking the wrong things completely. Or we're asking for the wrong things completely. God is still inviting us in, and he's made a way for us to share our lives with him. He's made a way by sending Jesus, sacrifice on the cross, offering us grace so that we can actually walk into his presence. Why would we choose not to do that? Why would we choose not to center our lives on God, what he's accomplished for us? And who he is, and who we are, and he still invites us in. All the mistakes that we've made, all of our shortcomings. You think about all of your shortcomings for a second, not to put yourself down, but again, just to compare yourself to who God is, the creator of all things, the holy, righteous judge of the world, the savior of the world, and then me. God still wants to share life with me. It should humble us. It should make us really grateful that He calls us to fellowship with Him. You know, Ellen a little while ago, just about how sometimes we can feel ashamed for our mistakes. Sometimes we've made so many mistakes and we kind of think, you know, will God actually want me? Will God actually want me to spend time with him? One of the scriptures, Romans chapter 8 says, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Scripture also says if, if our heart condemns us, God is greater in our heart, any condemnation, any shame that we would feel. See, God doesn't want us to live in that place. He wants to, us to go and spend time and share our lives with Him. God, why does He want to share with us forgiveness? He wants to give us grace. He wants to give us mercy. And that is a better center of our lives than our sin, than our mess-ups, than our carnal desires. What are we doing, man? I'm setting my life. I'm setting the center of who I am on God. So today I would say, no regrets. You're thinking, man, I wish I had started this. Start today. I love this phrase, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 25 years ago. The second best time is today. 
setting time aside, going to the mountaintop with God, sharing your life with God. He can handle all of your questions. He can handle all of your emotions. As we finish this message today, before we have communion, there's a, a story in the Old Testament, kind of a real brief story about a guy named Enoch. The scripture mentions him here in Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. All the men and women in the Old Testament whose faith we celebrate and whose uh, faith was set up by the writer as an example for us to follow. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 says this, By faith Enoch was taken up so he would not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now that word taken just means translate. In other words, translated from one spot to the other. He didn't die. In other words, he was just translated into the presence of God. Now before he was taken, he had, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6, famous verse, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So it's kind of this two-part thing as it relates to our faith in God. When we draw near to God, when we draw near to God, what, what should we believe? That he's there. That we know that he has provided something for us through Jesus. And then he rewards those who seek him. See, there's a reward for being in the presence of God. In other words, all of who God is, God imparts to us because of Jesus. All of the ways that we're struggling emotionally, and all the ways that we're struggling with our thoughts, and all the ways that we're struggling with our flesh. See, God's response to all of that is to give us grace, to give us help, to give us salvation, to give us what we need, not to condemn us for our shortcomings. And that's the type of relationship that God invites us into, that we center our lives on who he is. But this, uh, this guy Enoch, that was translated into the, pr- the presence of God because he pleased God. So what is the story about Enoch? You can read it here in Genesis 4, verse 21. Just a few short verses that we have about Enoch and his life. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Now, anybody that grew up in church knew, knows that Methuselah is the oldest recorded guy in the scripture. And Enoch, a little bit of a late starter, had his first child when he was 65 years old. And then it says in verse 22, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God.
feeling like an overwhelming feeling of love, and I always tell every young preacher that they're going to be a better preacher after they have their first child, because you start to understand the love of God so much more when you hold your first child. This is something that I would say, that I would surmise, even though it's not specifically in the text. Methuselah was born, and then his life changed. Over 300 years, he walked with God. What is it that from today on.
company had given thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What is Jesus telling us? With communion. What is communion? Sharing in common. Sharing our lives. We would remember Jesus, that we would center our lives on what Jesus has accomplished for us. See, Jesus' body was broken for ours. The scripture tells us that by his stripes we are healed. So the reality of our relationship with Jesus, that he is the healer, Jesus will save us for healing. And so today, if you're facing any sickness and disease in your body, we're just going to take a moment right now and receive what God has provided for us through the sacrifice of Jesus. And also, if you're going to, again, in your life, you kind of feel like your emotions are broken. Broken heart. The scripture says that God can heal the broken heart. So let's just pray today. Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you that we can come to the throne of grace to find grace to help in time of need. We thank you, Lord, that because of the stripes that Jesus took on his back, that we can receive your healing power today. So we do that right now. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. The tops of our head to the soles of our feet, that your power is greater than any sickness or disease that we face. For any brokenheartedness that we feel in our emotions, God, we thank you that you are the healer of human hearts. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's get together. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.